0: Like, did you write this season for me specifically? Because this is for me. This is
1: very niche. It's it's extremely very niche. niche. This was a very relatable 13-year-old to us, you know?
0: Are we surprised? Like, we shouldn't be surprised. That cast recording is amazing. Now that we're here, let's discuss. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're talking about Better Nate Than Ever, which is a new, I would say, like, TV movie streaming it's on, on Disney+. Plus. on um, I mean, by the time this episode is released, it's not super new, but it is available to stream. And the reason that we are talking about it is because, you know, last year, as we all know, the year of the movie musical, and I feel like this year, so far, we haven't been blessed with on screen movie musicals, so literally anything that we can grab, we did. And <laughs> this one was super cute. So before we get into like our full full reviews, what did you know about Better Late Better Late. Better Nate <laughs> than Ever
1: before watching. So I knew of its existence, basically. Um I knew it was a middle grade novel. So for uninitiated kind of a middle grade novel is typically the audience is kids age 9 to 12 years old, 9 to 13 years old. And so our main character is 13. So this book is catered to middle grade. So I was a little bit old when it came out for a middle grade <laughs> <book>. That's
0: fine. <laughs> but
1: but because I knew of Tim Federle, I knew he had other books, like kind of cocktail recipe books out. Um, and this was kind of his first narrative novel. Um, and obviously we know so much more from him now. Um, but at the time, I was like, oh, that's so interesting A book about a kid's experience of Broadway and theater, Mm -hmm. um, which is always just going to appeal to me. So I didn't get a chance to read it, but I did know of kind of what it was and kind of the general storyline of it. So to get to see a movie made and to get to see it in Tim Federle's vision was really, really exciting.
0: I love how you said that um, you're a bit too old for a middle grade book. When I literally bought you from... Like Broadway A to Z, which is a children's children for book. your birthday one
1: year. <laughs> um, look, I have read middle grade, being way too old. This one, I I didn't have the time. Okay, I didn't. No, get it. I did not get through it. I I read like a chapter of it, and uh, what I can say is that the voice of the character—it's written from the character of Nate's perspective—and his voice is so unique and special. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having watched the movie, it really came across in in just the characterization of Nate on screen and the performance of Ruby Wood. Mm-hmm.
0: So I never heard of the book. Again, I think I saw, because we know of Tim Federle, obviously from High School Musical, the musical, the series, Fame Now. Um, but I think I saw maybe on TikTok or Twitter that the trailer had come out. I was like, oh, this looks so cute. And then... I want to say, like, a week or so before it dropped on Disney+, Plus, they must have had a New York screening. And so many Broadway celebs went to see it and were like, mm. this movie is exactly what every theater kid needs right now. It's just a super, like, heartwarming, lovely story. And can confirm it is a super heartwarming, lovely story. Um, speaking of Ruby Wood, and I literally never thought that we would mention the words... Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, the musical, ever again.
1: But I, think so I soon. saw him. so soon. <laughs> Bring it up <laughs> so soon.
0: Um, so I was looking through the program that I have from when I saw it, and I don't have the insert. Um, it's like somewhere in a bin, somewhere. Sure. But there were three kids that played Charlie, and Ruby Wood was one of them. And again, as you know. I kind of blocked this show, like, out of my memory. So I don't know if I saw him, but if I did, he was great. And I do think it was him because I specifically remember... And I'll... This is, again, so sorry for um, our podcast listeners. This is video-only content. I think it was him because his little picture is, like, the cutest thing (laughs) ever. Oh, my God, it is so cute. And this tiny kid just playing, like, such a big character was exciting. So, um... To talk about the movie a bit, we were just watching a couple of Tim Federley interviews before we started recording and something that he said and I love and I think that we campaign for this all the time too is that he said, you know, when you can cast a theater kid, why would you do anything else? They they do it all for you. Like theater kids are the only way that you should cast this. And I think for a movie like this that again is just like dropping streaming-wise on, on Disney+, Plus, you do not need any name recognition here at all. Absolutely. So why not give um a kid a chance to like be a star in in a movie and he was great he
1: filled filled out the whole movie with theater people I think you know every single person cast he was like I'm gonna keep theater people employed because this was obviously filmed over the pandemic so every person cast in this from minor roles to major roles all all theater people
0: the most minor role of father of uh Nate Norbert Leo Butts, who tragically didn't sing.
1: (laughs) The most minor role of Mandy Gonzalez as as the drama teacher.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Or like um, Priscilla Lopez as the casting agent for A Solitary Woman. Um, Exactly. (laughs) You know, just like little Easter eggs for you. But yes, sorry, back to Ruby Wood. He, an absolute star. Absolute star. I watched this movie with my parents. And at the end, my mom's just like... He's amazing. (laughs) I know. He was amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, So I guess like the premise of this story is that um, Nate and his friend. I can't even remember the friend's name. Libby. 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 Um, Nate and Libby are in middle school and Nate is obsessed with musical theater. He's got, you know, like Wicked posters on his wall. Me too. Um, the I'm pretty sure like the was a very scene, relatable
1: 13 year old to us, you know?
0: Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure the opening scene of the movie is him talking to Libby on the phone and she's like giving him a pep talk because they're waiting for a cast list to go up and they're talking about whether Wicked should have lost to Avenue Q. I'm like, this content <laughs> is what I'm here for. Um, but the cast list that he's waiting for is for- I guess like alla Hamilton, um, Lincoln, fame, Lincoln, the musical. <laughs> at, his, at His middle school. Yeah, it's Lincoln. I think like the Rock musical. We never heard Probably. a song. Tragic no, that we never heard a song. <laughs> um, but he does not get a part. He does not get the part of Lincoln, and he does not even get the part of what he thought he would get. Maybe is the understudy. He is in the ensemble with Libby, and they find out that there is an open call in New York for Lilo and Stitch the musical. Which I have to say, and I think I saw this for the very first time on Tim from Broadway Up Close, his Instagram. All of the mm-hmm. like branding of Lilo and Stitch the musical. I want to say it was like summer twenty twenty one ish, maybe a spring twenty twenty one when they were filming. Pre um,
1: pre Broadway reopening, you know they yeah, were kind they of had lucky chance
0: to put the signage up for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so they find out that there's an open call. They're looking for Lilo and Stitch. And they decide to take a bus from run
1: away, run away Pittsburgh? from home. Yeah, from Pittsburgh
0: to New York. Keep in mind, these kids are like 13 years old. Which yeah, we'll talk about my issues with this movie later. Um, <laughs> and uh, we haven't even mentioned brother of Nate, star of Our Lives, Josh Bassett is yeah. is in this movie. Um, and he's at like a track meet this weekend, so no one really knows that. end yeah, his parents, parents are out of away. town. Yeah.
1: Brother Anthony is, um, by The way, Bridgerton. sorry,
0: the, the way that Antony's are running our lives right now is a whole different conversation, but go on. To
1: semi-timestamp this, Bridgerton just came out and we can't even talk about it. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, brother is at a track meet. So really, Nate, he, you know, he's lying to everyone. He's saying he's just at Libby's house, but then they take the bus to New York City to get to this open call audition. Yes. Where we Obviously meet they, Christina Alabado, <laughs> yes, they, and Brooks Ashmanskis. Yeah. What if Brooks Ashmanskis was Bernie Telsey? You know, it does Honestly. ask that question. Yeah, um, and of course chaos ensues.
0: Yes, um, and one of the things that I thought was so funny about this um, open casting call is that Christina Alabado, who's like keeping, she's like checking everybody in. She tells everybody that if you are not here with a guardian, like do not even try to get in and that didn't Mm. even cross my mind but also like obviously all of these kids are under 18 because they were trying to cast like very young for the characters Mm. of Lilo and Stitch which then like kind of led us to a conversation off the mic of like kids and theater and and what that's like and I was saying Mm. to you that someone that's like a really good follow she's not in a show currently but I'm sure she will be again is um presley ryan who was the understudy of delia in beetlejuice actually i wonder if she's going to be understudying again beetlejuice will be open by the time this episode comes out so like you tell us um Mm -hmm. but she would sort of like vlog her life of what it was like to be a kid in high school and also be on broadway and to me, the most interesting part was to show Wednesdays because obviously she couldn't go to school if she was performing at one o'clock. So she would do her school at the theater and then, you know, hang out there for the rest of the day. And I also remember like ABF finishing high school when he's in Dearborn and Hansen and he had to have a tutor. Think about like the kids in Matilda. I've read so mm. much of like Gav Rush and like young Cosette, young Eponine, how they would have to do school for, like, the second half of the musical that they weren't in because, obviously, the <laughs> kids are only in the first part of Les Mis, except for Gabrosh. He shows up. Yeah. And I feel like there was a conversation maybe when Les Mis was in Toronto – Maybe not Les Mis, waitress? Like, that Lulu doesn't bow because she's too young? Like, there are there's certain conversations... No, that, like, Lulu bows because she's stay. only in
1: the final scene.
0: Right. Maybe it was Les Mis. Like, do the kids
1: stay for the bows because they... I, I, I am remembering... But yes, there was a show where the kids were only in the first act and not in the yeah. second act. And then... Yeah, they did not bow because it's like oh they went home two hours ago. We're, I can they, only think of tired, Les Mis,
0: I not brush, in. because he's definitely an act two. He's but act two. like young Cosette and young Eponine are really only in the first act mm. of Les Mis. I remember watching Ramin's vlogs when he was Valjean on Broadway, and he would like go to see the kids sometimes just like doing homework Chilling. backstage. <laughs> it's like hey, how's it, it going? It's kind of interesting
1: because <laughs> some shows have like one or two kids or like one or two kids on stage. So there's mm-hmm. four or five of them. Um, because I think for kids, you always have to have a standby available. Yeah, And yeah. there's some shows like an Annie, like a Matilda, like, I don't know, that are just full of kids. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I can't, those must be one crazy like different experiences than being the only, School of Rock, exactly. Being the only kid versus being, you know, one of 20, 30, 40,
0: 50. Yeah. Because
1: I think they probably have to have um, additional understudies and covers, right? For when there's children, um, to ensure their kids' health, they probably don't want them for the most part going on eight shows a week. Um, school commitments for them, you want them to stay at least a little bit well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when Matilda was on Broadway, they had three Matildas when it opened, and they wouldn't even release the schedule of who was going on when
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: kids weren't allowed to allowed to like sign autographs at all for um for people at the stage door because they really wanted to protect the kids safety and have like kind of that barrier between them. Yeah. Um I, I really think kids in Broadway is a really, really fascinating thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, and they didn't this, obviously get very into it in this movie. No, this is
1: about the audition process.
0: Yeah. But you do see like the stage moms a little bit in this movie Mm -hmm. the parents that are like hanging out i thought it was really interesting when we get to like the later final callbacks that the parents were not in the theater with the kids that sort of like drop off come pick up i don't know if that's like reminiscent to real life but there's obviously many interesting parts to kids on broadway that we don't even know about
1: yeah. And I think it was quite interesting to see the casting process because I'm sure it's extremely different to cast a child than it is to cast an adult. Yes. There is a certain softness or generosity that you would maybe have with the kids that you wouldn't necessarily always have with the adults. And you want to like foster that love
0: mm-hmm. while you're
1: rejecting these kids. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> No, it's true. And it's also some things that, like, I don't think I ever would have realized about an audition process, but, like, some kid could be knocked out immediately because they're too tall, you know? Yeah, like they don't have the
1: right look. They, yeah. You get typed out, is what you'd call it. They do yeah. it for, they do it a lot of auditions as well, like, for everything. But for a kid, that must be so much more devastating versus an adult oh,
0: I can who only kind imagine. of understands, okay,
1: I'm, you know, 5'4", they're looking for yeah. someone 5'8", whatever.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine all of the tears that casting directors have seen Mm. from kids of just like unintentionally breaking their hearts, you know?
1: Yeah. It's it's devastating. And this is Nate's first audition ever. So he Mm. kind of goes in, not knowing what to expect at all. So every you know every callback is exciting for him. When he sings it shows Let some- It Go
0: at his callback. Amazing.
1: <laughs> and they're like, wow, we've never had a young boy come in and sing Let It Go.
0: Which is so interesting, because also when we were watching these interviews, um, Ruby Wood, for his audition, sang Defying Gravity, which is very
1: <laughs> much on the same playing it's field. It's similar. Yeah. To me, I mean, we're getting like a little all over the place. But I watched this movie with my parents. And the moment in the movie that made my dad absolutely crack up is when they asked him, do you have a monologue? And he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh And then he starts doing this monologue. I'm like, where is this from? Um, and he's just so dramatically into it. I'm like, this has got to be from some movie starring only women that you know has a big uh audience with gay men and it turns out it was designing women and i was like (laughs) that's amazing he was so committed to that and this was something that i uh i asked my parents at dinner i said if you had to do a monologue, what scene from a movie or TV show would you be able to do at the drop of the hat? And I said, I think I could probably do the scene in The Devil Wears Prada. Mm. Oh, so you think this has nothing to do with you? Your sweater. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, give us the whole
0: thing. Why don't you?
1: <laughs> Let's not. But do you think you there's a speech that you, a monologue, I, you'd be able to do for a movie or a TV show right now?
0: I mean, it would like... My my real answer would be like it depends on the tone of what I was auditioning for to just like be able to drop something. But like I feel, I mean, literally any of the scenes from any of the High School Musicals I could give you <laughs>
1: absolutely <right now. laughs>
0: the whole movie I could give you from yeah, top to bottom if you're interested the with the songs <laughs> included. Like I am ready to play choreography. All cards. <laughs> yeah, choreography. Um, yeah, that I think again I think the audition scenes were like super interesting. We'll save like the mm-hmm. end. Final callback scene for later, but we haven't even mentioned um, Lisa Kudrow is in this movie as Nate's aunt Heidi. Um, she is, I would say, a struggling
1: actress, um, mm-hmm. but like she's someone that Nate idolizes. You know, he because she was on Broadway. Exa- which I love. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Nate's mom and her sister, his aunt, are not in touch anymore. But he, yeah. as a lover of Broadway and of theater, is just admires his aunt Heidi so much because mm-hmm. she's been on Broadway. And what I liked about this movie is that it kind of was a bit realistic in showing she is auditioning, she is working a survival job to pay the bills. She it's not, you know, 100% glamorous. Mm-hmm. Um it and even though, you know, it ends well for Nate, but it's not it's not a fairy tale. Experience she for a while. a caterer on, the at
0: bar mitzvahs at the Museum mm. of Natural History, which is a That's, very luxe bar mitzvah.
1: It is a very luxe bar mitzvah.
0: But, you know, she's got to do it, what she's got to do.
1: Was that Ellen Marsh?
0: Yes, it was. As the
1: security guard.
0: It was. was like, There's just uh, many, many Broadway cameos yeah, of course. in this. Um, I was like, I know you. Yeah. So, to make a long story short and finish off this um, movie, Nate. Obviously gets cast in Lilo and Stitch. As the
1: matinee Stitch. Yes. Um, (laughs) Two shows a week.
0: The way that this kid is in full Disney World Stitch costume, I will never be over, because the audition said that the kid would be wearing a blue unitard, and that is really not what we got. We got the full theme park costume.
1: Realistically, if we're wearing that costume, we're casting an adult. We're not... 100%. A short one, maybe, but we are not casting a child no. to be in that overheated furry. Um, oh yeah,
0: you can see the like sweat outfit. all over Dying. him when he takes off the the head. Like
1: that is where's the fans that they have in those costumes at Disney World. Like why doesn't he have one? Also, realistically, I'm thinking we might we might do a puppet, as what uh, we yes. might actually do.
0: A la um, the most recent like Winnie the Pooh show that was apparently amazing. Sure. I'm
1: thinking of like, like Olaf, that. even you know like.
0: Yeah, or kind also a, the, I say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is like the worst musical, but I actually think the worst musical I saw was the Lorax. And that also had a okay. puppet.
1: Interesting, interesting. <laughs> um, but so I was, um, back to the book, the musical that Nate is auditioning for in the book is actually E.T. the musical. So imagine because, that costume. Oh, <laughs> Hideous. Hideous, but there's a lot of kids in that show too. So, okay, so he's auditioning for E.T. the musical. Um, But because it's on Disney Plus, and Tim Federley has such a great relationship with Disney, you know, they got to use Disney property like Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. We got to film at the New Amsterdam Theater, which is the Disney owned Broadway Theater. So mm-hmm. it really, we got that company synergy in this movie. We really got it all working out together.
0: But the only thing that I could think of as soon as they announced Lilo and Stitch the Musical was where is Finding Nemo the Musical? I also because, thought of that. As we know, obsessed.
1: I think Lilo and Stitch the Musical could replace Finding Nemo the Musical at Animal Kingdom. What is this- replacing, is it Finding Nemo closing? I hope not. On March 15th, 2020, the show had its final performance before Walt Disney World Resort closed due to COVID-19. It was announced that a new reimagined version of the show called, entitled Finding Nemo, The Big Blue, and Beyond, will premiere in spring 2022 as part of Walt Disney World Resort's 50th anniversary celebration. So So we're not sure what it's going to be. I'm in nervous.
0: A big, big blue
1: world. world. Wow, we can't lose those songs though. No. That cast recording is amazing. It's
0: available to stream and we highly recommend it. It
1: is. I would be Highlight upset of if the if we went back to Disney World and it wasn't there. Um, I know because we And that's all.
0: We really thought that we would have made it in our park hopping adventure to go see it again, but we yeah, never we, did. We, did do it again. we were too late. We were like 30 minutes too late, which yeah. tragic. Um if that yeah if we only saw it I mean if we only saw it once that's also like kind of special too, you know?
1: Yeah. No, it was magical. I love finding on the musical. So,
0: um, maybe someone will put that on at the New Amsterdam Theater in like 2050.
1: This 45 minute musical is
0: <laughs> <laughs> it like it's stretching to like 80 minutes. I feel <laughs> out of in, in there. You're out. Okay, yeah. that was
1: enough. That was yeah. enough.
0: Um Speaking of the Lilo and Stitch musical, there is one song that was written. I mean, there are three original songs in this movie, but there was one song specifically written for this musical, which is No One Gets Left Behind, which is Stitch literally singing a power ballad about how much
1: family is important. This song (laughs) was amazing. Okay. It was great. Hana means family and family mean no <laughs> means no one gets left behind. And, <laughs> and when, you know, he kind of, you know, Nate kind of botched the first half of the song. Not kind of. Then, really did. He really botched it. And then yeah. he turned around, he found his light, and he nailed the well, second also, half of the song.
0: Sorry, give it up, give some credit where credit is due to Anthony himself <laughs> Brother Anthony. standing up here being like you were never embarrassing to me. Yeah, I'm not embarrassed of
1: you. And I was like, oh that my was... God, this
0: is so sweet. And then he obviously so finds his light and sings it. a great song. But yeah, like there are, as I said, three original songs in this. The other, one, uh, the other two are um, Big Time, which we get a huge musical number for. Like it a big is... fantasy
1: dream sequence. On, you know what like, it reminded set. me of?
0: Yeah, the set. Um, High School Musical 3, A Night to Remember.
1: The whole... They're on, like, a set, basically. It it looks And also
0: kind of of mixed with um, I Want It All.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Um, What it was kind of giving, like, the... It felt almost like a tribute to old Hollywood musical movies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was going to say La La Land, but La La Land itself is a tribute to um, these old Hollywood musical movies. So, like, A Singing in the Rain, where they're on a separate set, and... The, the buildings and the cars are cardboard and feel very flat. Yeah. Um, and very much, like, built for the movie only. Um, and it it felt like the character of Nate was imagining himself on stage or in these musical movies in his dream sequence. It also gave me kind of, like, everybody's talking about Jamie from this last year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a similar dream sequence kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, and I loved the way that they used that dream sequence for big time because... You know, Nate is kind of going through the world, you know, normally trying, not necessarily trying to fit in, but, you know, surrounded by people very different from him. But in his mind, when he's had this, he has this song playing in, the, in his head and he has this amazing world inside his head that no one else can see and it's full of color and life. And I, I don't know, I thought it was a really magical number and he was a star in it. So
0: let the talk start, they can The one day, do what i
1: am headed to
0: the big Also featuring some of Broadway's best ensemble members out there, including Alex Wong, who is like front and center. If you want someone to follow on TikTok, follow Alex Wong he's because great. he's the best. He's great. Um, but yeah, I agree. That was like and also you really get to hear like Ruby sing in that mm-hmm. in that song. And I I would assume just because, you know, doing a project like this um feels probably pretty close to his life, but I don't know. I think that being in this movie was probably like really special for him to get to live out like maybe a lot, what a lot of kids dreams are of loving musical theater. And mm-hmm. it's also great because, um, it's not like explicitly alluded to. There's like hints of it, Tim Federally said, in the there's like three books in the series you said, right?
1: Yeah. There are three books. Um, in the five, th- six, seven, eight, oh. and that's, that a great, that's, that's a, a great, that's a great title. Yeah. Um, five, six, seven, eight. And um Nate Expectations. So
0: Not as good as five, six, seven. Eight. No,
1: five, six, seven, eight is amazing. It's the best one of the three. So i yeah. like the never, five, six, seven, eight, and Nate Expectations.
0: And um it's either I don't know exactly if it's in book two or book three, but Nate comes out as gay, but it is alluded to um that he is not interested in girls because Libby and him have this like moment of she loves him and he loves her too but not in the same way. Um, But it's also turns into like a really beautiful friendship moment but it's great to see young queer kids being represented on such a big platform like Disney Plus as well which Mm -hmm. I have many thoughts on this because there's a lot going on in real life. Politics wise that with with Disney Disney and and the the... relationship
1: to gay people.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if, I don't know what is directly linked here. There's like sort of up in the air of like what's directly linked with the politics side and like the people that work at the parks as well. There's like a lot going on um, in, in real life for that. But to have this movie, still be there and still be, like, available to stream and for kids to watch. I think it's still a positive at the end of the day and hopefully... I don't know. I think any time that there's, like, a time that a kid can watch this who loves theater and is like, oh, this could be a real career for me, is exciting. Mm. Because a lot of the times it's looked down upon and you're like, I want to be an actor. I want to be a singer. I want to be a performer. It's like, well, that's not a sustainable job. And whether it is or not is an entirely different conversation. (laughs) But... I love these, like, go follow your dreams type movies. Although wildly unrealistic that he goes to New York, doesn't books get his caught, first on... books his first ever audition for a huge Broadway musical, and then gets called into the principal's office and he thinks that he's going to be caught, and yet his parents are like, we're They're so, so proud of you. I'm like, did Crazy. you know that your kid ran away to New
1: York on a Greyhound bus? This, this is prime <laughs> parenting right here, okay? <laughs> Um, I will say like one, I think anytime you can get to see a character just being unabashedly themselves, even you saw his aunt Heidi, um, you know, he gets to overhear his aunt Heidi speaking to her coworkers saying, you know, this kid is already funnier than I am. He has so much more, like so much more going for him than like she wishes she was able to be as confident as him. Um, and I think, anyone, even if you're not necessarily like him, to get to see a character just own who they are is magical. But the character that I related to most was Libby, because she was someone who loved theater like Nate does, but knows her calling is not being a performer, Mm -hmm. you know, and she wants to be in that world, but also knows that is not for her. And her kind of discovery in this movie is you don't have to be an actor or performer to be involved in the theater. There are so many other jobs that you can have. And she kind of comes to wanting to be an agent by the end of it. Love that. Love that. That was great. (laughs) Just, she's already negotiating. But there are so many other avenues you can get to be involved in theater and, you know, work in your line of passion without being the star. And I thought that was a really wonderful thing to show as well in the movie.
0: I mean, like... Let's take us as example here. Like, oh, we absolutely. are both, obviously, as everyone knows, massive musical theater fans. Both of us, not performers, but needed some sort of a way to, like, An get outlet. that fix, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I I do, th- like, you're 100% right to see yourself as someone like Libby, who is just, like, a fan of the arts mm-hmm. and can appreciate it for what it is, but knows that it's never going to be... Um, a job where she's performing on stage, like to, first of all, to realize that at 13 years old, girl,
1: yeah, amazing that self-awareness. <laughs> Should we wish we all had that?
0: <laughs> yeah. um, and then also, like at the same time, you know, you have side character Josh Bassett, who is you know like a track and field star until he injures himself. Um, he kind of,
1: like, he kind of, like, looks down on his brother and kind of yeah. defines himself and his parents define him through yeah. his athleticism. And then, you know, what is, does he break his ankle and kind of has to reassess everything?
0: Yeah. Um, and at the same time, he realizes while watching his brother go for his dreams that, like, maybe I shouldn't have judged him for wanting to sing all around the house. Like, these are things mm. that we should embrace. Yeah. Um, my favorite part, obviously, of the movie was the Wicked sing-along in the car driving back to Pittsburgh. I mean, just that Loves. whole like, kind
1: of 30-second sequence where the actor and actress who play Nate and Anthony's mom and dad are actual real-life married couple who met while performing the original Broadway cast of Wicked, Norbert Leo Butts, and Michelle Federer, who played Fierro and Nessa Rose, respectively. Um, when I told my mom that was the original Imagine, Fierro... Imagine,
0: though, <laughs> if Fierro and Nessa ended up together...
1: What a, twist. what a twist. I mean, they did in real life. When I told my mom <laughs> that was the original Fierro, she was like, him? <laughs> he was like, he's so old. I'm like, well, it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but you know but what? You're, he still you're girl, got right? it.
0: <laughs> Vocally, he still got it.
1: Um, it, When I saw Norbert Leo Butts in My Fair Lady playing an um, old man, basically, mm. which is the opposite of Fierro. Amazing. Yeah. A star. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they kind of made a wicked reference. And then you smash cut to... Um, Anthony, Nate, and Libby singing, belting Defying Gravity in the car on the way home. So fun. So much fun. Yeah. Um, that was kind of like the biggest Easter egg in the movie for, for some theater fans.
0: Yes. Super fun. And then we end the movie with the third and final original song in the credits, which is about to go off. It's cute. Like it, it was, was fun. We got a little
1: montage. We yeah. got a little montage. Just getting started. We are about to go up. Yeah. Calling all bows, chicks around the world. This is your moment, own oh, it, sister, woman. Yeah. Yeah. The world is your oyster, and we are the pearls. We are, 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 we are. But hold up, just a second. I'm about to go up.
0: And then I we should mention that the music is done by uh, Gabriel Mann who you said writes mostly for like sitcoms but we sitcom found scoring the, and
1: TV show scoring. The
0: connection was high school musical the musical yeah. the series which now that we're here let's discuss. <laughs> um so Tim Friedley obviously director writer was he producer of this movie? I feel like if he wasn't he he should be. I don't know. I'm going to guess he, yes. We're going to go with yes. One of many hats um, mm-hmm. for this movie is the... Ex-
1: so, so amazing to get to adapt your own work, to oh. write a book, and then to get to adapt it for screen. And so even if it's not going to be a direct adaptation, it's what you chose. Like, you yeah. have the final say. Very lucky. Very... And
0: also be able a great to, job. like, cast it. For mm. he has said that this is like a semi-autobiographical story because he also mm-hmm. like needed loved theater, wanted to perform, went on a Greyhound bus to New York City, like did all did all that. Um, so to get to cast it with like a, a book that's been living in his head for the last 10 years um, with the people that he wanted.
1: And I believe it was inspired a lot because he worked as an associate choreographer on Billy Elliot, which had A million kids kids. in that cast. Yeah. And so, and he worked so much with the kids and casting the kids and bringing them up to speed to do replacements and stuff. And that was like where he got the inspiration for this book. So Mm -hmm. really like a a close-to-home project for him.
0: Yeah, but we know him as the executive producer of High School Musical, the musical, the series. And he did say that Josh Bassett is his good luck charm because he was (laughs) the first-person cast for High School Musical and also Mm -hmm. the first-person cast for Better Nate Than Ever. I'm like, well... Of Are course. we surprised like we shouldn't be surprised
1: we love Josh bassett
0: yeah <laughs> um, so high school musical the musical of the series we never did a follow-up episode to season one because season two was not great and it was not as good no we were really let down but season three is coming potentially this summer maybe in the fall I want to say summer because I think it's, it's that be summer.
1: Camp. We might have a release date by the time this episode comes out, because we're recording True. very early. But I believe it's going to be summer, because it's about summer camp. Okay.
0: Yes. So all we know at time of record is that they are doing songs from Frozen. They are doing songs from, obviously, the High School Musical trilogy. And then I feel like I read that they're doing songs from Camp Rock. And Tim Federle, like, did you write this season for me specifically? <laughs> because this is for me. This is very niche. This is extremely very-
1: <laughs> niche. But you know, it's that it kind of like speaks to even this movie. You know, we're like, oh, this is very niche, only for us. But I actually think many people <laughs> feel that this is written directly to their hearts. You know?
0: Yes. Um. I don't know. I High School musical, musical, the series season three, is like pretty specific to me. But like, I'm sure there's other people like me that love all three projects individually. But um, what we do know, which is like. I mean, I think we expected, but still disappointing nonetheless. Mm. Three-time Grammy Award winner Olivia Rodrigo has been bumped down to a reoccurring character.
1: Well, I'm going to say that I think this was her choice. I don't I think agree. she was like fired, or I don't think she was like demoted. I think this was we'll take you in whatever way we can get you.
0: Well, it's interesting too because again, we never like talked about this last year, but you and I talked about this when Sour came out. And obviously, Mm. hearing it for the first time, we were like, mega hit. Little did we know, mega hit. And it was a conversation of, what's Olivia's contract? And I think it was three seasons, and then we weren't sure the life after that. But also, like, is this the time to end? Because there are other characters that have been bumped down to reoccurring. I think, Mm. what's his name?
1: Is Joe Serafini, yes, he's
0: recurring? now reoccurring.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be crazy if they all went to the exact same summer camp, but um, <laughs> <laughs> would it, <laughs> would it though? I mean, I, you, as everyone knows, we met working at a summer camp, yeah. and the same crew of kids would show up like every session, every, year. every summer, and also um, I worked
0: there the year before the we yeah. worked there and the same kids rolled through same and kids. then when and when Char and I left after, and you were still there they, they stayed same kids <laughs> and I would like to think that they thought that we would still be there so that's why they say for us not yeah. for the camp
1: I but I mean not to like toot my own horn but this uh, <laughs> the second summer I worked there um, which ended up being my last summer at that camp you know the kids always ask you, which is something that I used to ask my counselors when I went to summer camp. Are you coming back next summer? And I have mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I don't know, guys. Yeah, you never want. <laughs> and then be you're like, like no. kind of breaking these kids' hearts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember too, because I, I mean, I very well knew that my last summer there was my last summer there, and mm. I remember this kids asked the same question, like, "Will we see you next year?" Like, maybe. I don't know. And then in my head, of like, absolutely not. But I mean, we've said this on many episodes, like. That was like the best summer of one of the best summers of my life. Like we and also like to think about, you know, what we were saying before of not being able to Like, we love theater, we're not performing, but doing that, I was like, that, we were in our element there. That was one of the most fun things ever, and I felt like a star. Like, I'm sure you (laughs) did, too. It was one of those things that, like...
1: Being a camp counselor at a theater (laughs) camp is an experience like no else.
0: We were way too hard on kids. Like... Oh. But that didn't matter. They were still, like, loved us, you
1: know? I... I feel like for the most part, the kids wanted it. And not every kid, <laughs> but for the most part, the the kids wanted that experience. You know, when we like, sat in silence oh, sure. for, like, 15 minutes, they didn't want We're gonna that. We're going to talk about our horrible camper management systems.
0: <laughs> the you ball know, game. The ball the game. Ball, game where, horrible. Wow. Horrible. Anyone anyone listening out there, this is important information. Um, anyone that is um, maybe, I guess, like... By the time this episode comes out, you are probably already in pre-camp if you're in Canada. If you're in the States, like maybe around the same time of being a camp counselor. Um, We have a game for you that if you are working at a theater camp and your kids... Don't know their lines, and it is the day. They never of the do. Show. They never do. They
1: never. No, they never, never do.
0: But you know what? The, the show always turns out well. But um,
1: bad rehearsal, good show. That's, that's yeah. How it, goes. That,
0: it was uh, it was a terrible rehearsal, and after the rehearsal, we went back to our camp and we each split up into groups. You had kids, I had kids, Shara had kids, yeah. and then I was like, okay, everyone, take out your scripts, um, and let's go through the script. And the game is that um, you start from the top of the act and you pass the ball around to the person whose line is next. And when you forget the line, you start again. Now, thinking back, this
1: was cruel. This was (laughs) horrible. (laughs) These
0: are like, (laughs) (laughs) eight-year-olds. But you know what? The show that night, the the best one yet.
1: The show was good. I know, because we were like, Hand King at the rehearsal. We really that day. put then, it in their brains
0: that afternoon. That I this think is my, parents, show.
1: my parents, my parents are just my mom came. They're just like that was great. I my was parents like, were
0: that? obsessed with it. They were like, "This is the best one you guys have done." I'm like, "Oh my god, if you only saw a <laughs> rehearsal this afternoon." <laughs> we <were laughs> <crying>. Anyway, um, <laughs> just thinking about high school musical camp, we took it too seriously. Moment, we took it way too seriously, but also never regret. It was my shining moment. No, I will never I mean, have to be a fair. Like we were also
1: teenagers at that time, and
0: also like. I grew up going to camps like that, and I like I was expected of the same that I expected of the kids. You know, like you're you sign up to do a show, you got to know your lines, you got to know your
1: scenes, you got to know your dances. Here's the thing: Tara got leading roles in these shows, so she had lots of lines. I was like a five line kid,
0: okay. And the five line kid, memorization has never
1: been my strength. Memorization (laughs) has never been my strength. Maybe Um, that's
0: why I got the leading roles because memorization was my strength. You know, never my strength. Um, Um. Anyway. We digress. Um, so yeah, we know we know very little about uh, the next season. I I will be sad if this is the end of High School Musical, the musical, the series. Um, I believe it
1: is. Am I crazy? Like it's over, over. I thought it was the end of Riverdale, and I was wrong. So the way I think that we like seriously
0: thought it was the end of Riverdale, and then the they got renewed for a new season. I'm pretty Literally sure this spend. is the
1: final season of High School Musical, the musical, the series. Quote um, me
0: on that. Which is like. Kind of emotional for me and you, because um, I feel that High School Musical, although it came out pre-pandemic, we would watch weekly, we would watch Love, Victor, season two, Mm -hmm. and then High School Musical, the musical, the series, season two, and, like, it's a joke, but it's also not a joke that that got us through, like, some of the darkest days of the pandemic.
1: Every week, I'd look forward to, like... (laughs) <laughs> we would watch on Wednesday nights. Wednesday night, we would just get on scene and we'd watch <laughs> our shows. Yeah. And Love, Victor also ending the summer with its third season, and I'm very sad. I'm I am really sad about it. Although, Another... again,
0: both seasons of Love, Victor and High School Musical, like, not the best, but no. still season, will be season one tragic to lose them. Ones.
1: All of these, talking about Better Nate Than Ever, talking about High School Musical, the musical of the series, talking about Love, Victor, have these queer characters in them um, at shows targeted for young people. And us. Is, and, and us, adults. <laughs> um, <laughs> adults who <laughs> want to be children. Um, <laughs> but I think that's like really, really wonderful. Um, when you think back to Love, Victor, season one, where they didn't even put it on Disney+, Plus, they put yeah. it on Hulu, because who even knows? Um, now we have all of these things available for young people streaming um, with these characters who are unabashedly themselves, who are gay, who are queer, it, it's. I think it's, it's very special to me. I don't know. It's very... Well, it's just like
0: great. a step finally in the right direction. And mm. although, again, we don't know because we haven't seen the third season, but if they do cut down Joe's character, Seb, then I feel like we lose some of that yeah. Like, love story of him and Carlos. So, I I don't know. It will be interesting to see. You know that there's a lot of cameos from the, f- the movies. Like, Corbin Bleu is in
1: this mm. season. Yeah. I want Vanessa. Vanessa Hudgens. I want you she to She won't. On. I know she won't. They did ask they, her,
0: though, at the Oscars, what she thought about, like, Olivia Rodrigo playing... Um, Gabriella. Kinda. Well, like, Nene playing Gabriella. Yeah. And she was like, it's so weird to see the name Gabriela Montez show up again in like mainstream media after all of these years. And she she was like, I can't imagine anyone else but me being associated sure. to that character.
1: Yeah. Sure. But then it was also like Olivia's a star, which we know. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah, sneaker night did not have the same impact as Sour. Baby V. Wow. <laughs> Baby, come back. With that song, though, <laughs> baby, come back to me. Her music career, underrated, underrated. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's sum up our thoughts on Better Nate Than Ever. Um, my final thoughts on this is that this is just a wonderful, feel-good movie. I, an adult, watched it with my parents, adults. <laughs> and the end, we're just like, that was sweet. That yeah. was lovely. It just made me smile. It made me happy. Ruby Wood is a star in it. Um, and I just walked away from it absolutely smiling. So I'm going to give it four out of five wicked posters. That is my ranking system, my rating system. Um,
0: I also agree. This is a lovely movie for all reasons stated in this episode, like, if you are a young person listening to us, watch it. If you are a parent listening to us, watch it with your kids. Like, this is a movie for everybody. It's also a cool 90 minutes, which we love. Amazing. Um, and it kind of, like, gives you everything you want. There's no, in my opinion, lulls. There's no things that the I pacing. wish happened faster. Yeah, exactly. The pacing, really good. And it's just, like, a really, at the end of the day, heartwarming, lovely musical theater movie. I am going to give this four and a half Josh Bassett in a backwards hat out of five. Because as soon as Josh tag. Bassett entered the screen wearing a backwards hat, I texted you immediately. There's, Followed there's up by
1: hat his blessed. name is
0: Anthony... And Anthony's are ruining our lives currently. Yeah, so exactly. it's all of that.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: but yeah, if you um, happen to have Disney Plus and you are able to stream better Nate than ever, you definitely should. And with that being said, it is now time for
1: our obsession of the week. So my obsession, speaking of Anthony's that are ruining our life right oh now. my God. Oh my God. As everyone knows, season two of Bridgerton just came out. I mean, it did not, did not just came out. It just came out for us. It just came out for us. And, it just came um, out for
0: us. At time of record, it came out two weeks ago, and less, we've already watched it ago. multiple times.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, love it. But my obsession. So something that Bridgerton is known for is using covers of pop music in the in the show. It's in, so good. It's so good. I think it functions in a similar way to a jukebox musical mm. where these are songs that we are familiar with. So when you hear, you know, the strings playing, thank you next, which I think is the, their best use of music in season one, you, you immediately understand the dating world of the marriage mart in Regency, Regency England. So season two, they amped out of these even more um, pop covers or covers of more modern music to, um, kind of emphasize the character's emotions in different moments um we love dancing on my own episode four that was a wonderful (laughs) use loved wrecking ball in episode eight um really great use they used a song from a bollywood movie in episode six which i think was like really special especially for so much uh representation in this season but the song that i'm going to call out because they released a special version of it is the instrumental version of You Oughta Know that is at the end of episode five. And they released a version with Alanis Morissette singing over (gasps) it. I haven't heard heard this. You haven't heard it? Oh, wow. I get to surprise you. So the artists who do it on the show are Duomo and Chroma, and they have the instrumental version. And then as part of promotion for the show, they have released a music video with Alanis Morissette singing You Oughta Know over this orchestral, instrumental version of You Ought to Know. And I watched the music video and it's amazing. You know, this is such, it's like a great breakup song and Mm. it's used in the show in kind of a breakup moment for our main characters. This is one of the many times that they say goodbye to each other. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yep. Um... It's one of the many times they think about each other, but
0: it's after maybe the greatest cinematic F-ce-five.
1: scene on TV F-ce-five.
0: of all time.
1: Um, yeah, it's amazing. I, when you just like start hearing that like little bit of strings and then it's, it's
0: actually so interesting because in the episode you don't recognize it until later. no until they like actually meet and you hear they're like da 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 yeah. da 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 but yeah. before that you just hear like different da, da, da. notes and it's yeah it's and just then, like very
1: soft and you're like what is this I don't recognize this yeah. and then it's like da 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 that one was and a really like, smart yes. way to
0: introduce that yes. song
1: yeah um I thought it was so well used because that song is so much angst and you're watching these two characters who are kind of like devastated in this moment. And it just it like matches both of their emotions so well. And then, spoilers for Bridgerton, season two, um, who hasn't watched it seven times already by like, the time episode comes out? Um, but he's riding away on his horse and you're shooting back to her, and she's, she's like crying. this is the first time you've seen like major emotion, emotion from her. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, wow. So my obsession, because we gotta love Alanis, we support a Canadian queen and we support someone who's had a jukebox musical. You wanna know um, has been an
0: obsession at least three times in our podcast. It's one live. of the greatest <laughs>
1: songs. It yeah. just works every time. Yeah. So, um, You Wanna Know by Alanis Morissette featuring Duomo and Chroma. Um, it is kind of a combination of the version used in Bridgerton and also Alanis' original version, and it's just like really gorgeous. That's my obsession this week. And I- to remind you, mess you left when you went away. It's not fair to deny you a cross sign, but she gave to me. Yo, 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 I don't know why I am.
0: To remind, and while we're here. A huge congratulations to Barlow and Bear for oh my winning God, yes. a Grammy for the unofficial Bridgerton, um album. I know that there are like many thoughts on the internet. I don't care what anyone else thinks. This is a huge win. That album is amazing. And I feel like it's over the last... Independent,
1: it's an independent album. It's yes,
0: crazy. Yes, everything is done by themselves. We've talked about it. I feel like in the last two years of recording, we've been on that like journey from the first TikTok all the way to the Grammy Awards. So a huge congrats to them. If you have not listened to the Unofficial Bridgerton album, go listen to it. And like, I cannot wait to see what they do next because this is obviously not the end for them.
1: This is an amazing calling card for them. You know, they they walk into a room. It's like, yeah, I'm a Grammy Award winning composer, lyricist, what about it? Amazing, I know. (laughs) I know. It's so exciting. Um,
0: Okay, my obsession this week, um, I can't believe that this hasn't been an obsession previously because, as I said, we did a High School Musical episode, but I feel like when we did our High School Musical episode, the show hadn't finished season one yet. I could be wrong. It's been a while since we we recorded that episode. We were. Yeah. It's been years. Because I looked back to see, um, and the only songs that we talked about were, I think, A Kind of You Know and Wondering. There is a video on YouTube, this is pre-Sour, this is pre-breakup, this is Josh and Olivia in their prime, of them singing, um, just for a moment. You know the video because you've seen it many times. Like the acoustic one, is she wearing the suit? Yes. Yes.
1: Um, It's like a gray box. She's wearing
0: an amazing, like, maroon suit. She's got an incredible blue eyeshadow, and I want to say this was like peak romance for them. It is... So <laughs> cute just watching them interact with each other in the same day they recorded Start of Something New. But um, I love this song, just for a moment. It's, like, such a great song. They wrote it together, right? And they wrote it, right? Yeah. They wrote it
1: together, yeah. Even that, so see, like, special.
0: something so great about that show was that someone like Tim Fetterly, who executive produced, like, gave these two kids the chance to write their own music for a franchise that is massive like you just don't Mm -hmm. get the chance i feel like tim is one of those people that that gives kids opportunities
1: he loves to foster talent um he's really excited about fostering talent so Mm -hmm. giving them the opportunity to write a song for their characters that they knew probably better than anyone else yeah um and write it together was probably so special.
0: Yeah, it's just a super sweet song. It's sung so well by both of them. The video I'm obsessed with, I've watched it a million times. So I figured what a perfect episode to bring this song back. Should So yeah, that is our obsessions and also our thoughts on Better Nate Than Ever. And just thinking, at the time of episode release, the Tony Awards are like two weeks away. Can we believe?
1: Yeah, it's very close. It's yeah. crazy.
0: Um, so... If you want to listen to any of our other episodes, you can do that by subscribing to our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we would really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on
1: YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Off2BwayPodcast. That's with the number two.
0: And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.